You are listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. This talk was given at 3800 Marlton Pike, Pensacon, New Jersey. For more information, visit us at circleofhope.net. You know, the real trouble with a good pop song is it gets in your head and it stays. And sometimes we actually get tricked into believing that stuff, huh? Even when a person so deeply troubled is the one giving us the message. R. Kelly is broken, and yet he's written a song that we just can't get out of our cultural mind. Over and over it comes. This week when I was sitting down to think about sharing with you this morning, and in this series we're doing on things Jesus never said that are kind of pervasive around us in the world as if he did. Um, And maybe this one doesn't always get put in Jesus's mouth, but it certainly reflects something of what we hope. A good pop song is really about what we long for, right? Just usually connects it to the wrong object. Doesn't connect to God, connects to romantic love usually. Uh, R. Kelly even starts off this iconic pop song talking about the everlasting arms, a reference to scripture, by the way. Well, I really love Rod. He sends his greetings, by the way. He's not here because he didn't want to cough and disrupt the entire course of my sermon. So he's at home still resting and is hoping to be ready to speak at our Frankfurt Ave congregation this evening. So, um, I have arms that love Rod White, but they are not everlasting. And they have not so far, even after 44 years of trying almost, been able to save him. And, um, nor his me, by the way. And, uh, so, so these pop songs pull us in a direction. And I think a lot of what we hear from our culture has that same kind of, of hook, hook in it. Um, so Jesus never said, live your dreams. Um, and the idea that we can or that we should is really pervasive. Um, but I think it's also a little bit cruel, isn't it? Jesus didn't tell us to do this. He doesn't even really, hello, talk much about our dreams. But this, this idea that you can do anything that you put your mind to, that you can do anything that you want, basically. It's classically American, but I think it leads directly to all kinds of disappointment, right? And this is my little collage of disappointments that I put together. Um, some as simple as that lost ice cream, which can feel really sad some as difficult as, um, does this sound, oh no, it doesn't. Anyway, my, my guy in the bottom corner, the bottom right corner to you, uh, I think it's a picture of wishing we had everlasting arms, huh? <laughs> when really we're in the middle there, <laughs> right? Um, the deep disappointment of the real losses that we all encounter, and even just the 
catastrophic, I think, sorrow that we feel, like that little guy on Christmas morning, when we expect something and it doesn't come. When we counted on something and it's not there. Um, Particularly, I think this gets at us in our faith when we thought God was in something that we were doing and it doesn't come. You know, I had a really weird day yesterday. Um, By the way, I'm going to invite you into the middle of this sermon, uh, and I will admit that that's because I've been wrestling with so many things. So I want you to help me in the context of my talk. The next slide is going to help you do that. But I just wanted to, I decided this morning when I was praying, I wanted to tell you about my weird day yesterday, kind of leading up to the whole subject we're talking about. Um, I was at the Enneagram conference that Ben, well, I don't know if you mentioned it, but a bunch of folks were at our um, space on South Broad Street um, in Circle Spaces for this big conference with this very well-known Enneagram speaker. And for those of you who don't know my background, I'm a psychologist. Alongside of planting Circle of Hope, it was my dream to plant Circle Counseling, which has been going for 20-some years. And so psychology is kind of my lens um, when it comes to human personality. So the Enneagram is about personality also. And so I had people coming up to me all day at the Enneagram conference saying, what do you think? And... I am generally a person that really takes a little time. I get a gut feeling, but I want to take some time before I talk about it. And so I was giving evasive answers. (laughs) And, And folks were talking then to me about the help that they thought it would give them and understanding themselves more deeply. And that's all very positive. Um. But even on Friday night, um, Johnny, our pastor at the Frankfurt Ave congregation, had come up to me and said, I've been watching your face, Gwen, and that's always a problem. <laughs> and, and he says, what do you really think about what's going on here? And he, he gave me one of those raised eyebrows, and he said, you don't really like this, do you? And, or some such language. And, uh, and I said, it's not that I don't like it, it's that I don't think it tells enough of the story. I think it gives us a great start and I don't want to downplay it because I think there are people in this room who are getting something good out of this. But it was weird for me to sit there all day and Friday night as well, interested. And by the way, the woman who was presenting was really funny but she was also kind of, I experienced her as kind of cutting, that, that her stories, often about her family, um, were not that nice, right? That she was, she was laughing about how they were really their number on the Enneagram. It's this sort of um, new agey, sorry, <laughs> um, schema about how you know yourself better and you're assigned a number one through nine. And so she was telling stories to try to illustrate 
what a nine was or what a two was, etc. And she was using her family members, sometimes herself or sometimes someone that she knew to tell the stories. But it was always kind of that they were the butt of the joke. I, it, that was my feeling. So I was just uneasy all day trying to figure out how would I talk about this and what would I do with these feelings inside of me. Um, so that's one part of the weird day. The other contributing factors to the weird day was that um, we're in this period of time where we're downsizing. We've lived in the same house that we moved into in 1995 in West Philly. Giant house. All our boys were at home. So Ben and all his brothers lived with us. Another family lived with us. And another single guy lived with us. We have eight bedrooms in this house. And um, we don't need eight bedrooms anymore, come to think of it. <laughs> and so we've been trying to sell this really lovely house. And our realtor and everybody we talked to, oh, you, your house is going to sell in two days. It is four plus months later now, and we're in the middle of winter, and our house has not sold. And now we have two mortgages because we've already bought the condo we're downsizing into. And some of our friends from uh, the West Hulken congregation are rehabbing that and they need to be paid and so there's all this money going out and really thought God was in this thing of selling our house and that this was the downsize was absolutely what we needed to do with Rod's work lessening he's going to have time as a pastor among us in January and I've already retired from my university career Sorry for this whole long story. But this has been a really weird time. And so I've been trying to content myself with, okay, it's okay, we're going to just go through the winter. This will be all right, and the house will sell in the spring. We are fortunate. We can manage this, although it's not pleasant. And sometimes when I'm a little more angry or more fretful, maybe is better said, I will say things to God like, well, it's supposed to be your money anyway. You want to waste it? It's up to you. <laughs> so, so you can tell I'm not faring really well with all of this. And so I'm, but I'm kind of getting in this zone of, okay, we're just going to manage. And then suddenly Friday, when I'm running around doing other things, and I get a beep on my phone that somebody wants to come look at the house. So I confirm the showing. And then we got to go home and clean up the whole house, right? And then get down to the first half of this Enneagram thing. And so what happens in me is all the hope rises up. I can fly. <laughs> These are the buyers. These are the people we've been waiting for. And I keep saying no, no, no to that part of myself. And that part of myself keeps wanting to fly. And I say no, no, no to that part of myself. Let's not go down this road again. So then in the middle of the Enneagram conference on Saturday, my phone beeps again and we're getting feedback now. Oh, they thought the house was lovely, but they want to be in the Penn Alexander catchment school for their children. And we are we are, to be honest with you, we are on the black side of where the catchment ends, so we're not in the catchment. It's a very uh, long history of racism in West Philadelphia. And so the school that Penn University dumps money on is where the white people live. And we are a block away from that now. Um, and so it is all this stuff stirring up in me through this weird 
experience of a day. And that evening, we go to a neighbor's house for a housewarming. In fact, it was Marguerite welcoming everybody in, who the NPR stories about who runs our dead annihilation teams, by the way, now. And so it was fun to be with her. But I'd walked in with some cookies. And so I had this compounding experience of having all of these people who I didn't know at Marguerite's party coming to tell me how really good my cookies were. Now, why is that weird? Well, because it just felt so odd to me that these are cookies, people. <laughs> I mean, okay, you, you know, yeah, okay, um, I'll, okay. Uh, just, I experienced that as somehow, it was like, how do I talk to these people about something more meaningful than cookies? And I did not find a way. So I looked at Rod and I said, it's time to go home. <laughs> I can't figure out how to make more of this than it is. And I'm just done. So I tell you that long story because I just think that's the way the Christian journey is. And when we are pulled at by our culture and by our personalities, by the way, in different ways that we get pulled from the unconscious reaches of ourselves, from those depths that I think our team was trying to get us to recognize where God meets us. The parts of us that we don't always recognize pull us in lots of directions and jack up our anxiety like mine has been jacked up over this house stuff and leave us with a sense of sort of either you have to fly, which by the way can be a little demanding too, right? What The reality is we can't. Don't go out and try this, right? We can't fly. But we can trust. And there are ways of understanding ourselves and praying to try to help us come to those places through all the weirdness of our lives where things seem to go wonderfully and then not. The other weird part of my day, and this is a part of almost every day, is in my inbox, because I also serve as the chair of uh, MCC's national board, so I get messages all day from all around the world about situations that are horrible. Uh, Bolivia right now needs our prayers. Haiti is about shut down and needs our prayers. Those are both governmental snafus going nuts in these countries. And so every day something comes, more than, some, more than one, right? So I'm always reading something about a place where God's love looks like it's just missing and where we are trying to speak and live into God's compassion and share it there. So it's hard to figure out how to talk to God about whether my house sells for enough money, right? Because there are people in Bolivia whose electricity is off and they can't get out of the house to get clean water. There are folks all over the world that are in dire straits. And you, I'm sure your mind goes this way. So I had one of those weird, weird days. And then I knew I was coming to talk to you and feeling like I got nothing. 
<laughs> so I'm going to get you to contribute too. This is what Jesus says about how life works. And so this is what I want you to do. I'm going to read these to you. You're reading them while I'm talking, but I'm going to read them again to you. I want you to help me understand what these, I'll just say, contradictory statements mean. I have come so that they may have life. I want them to have it in the fullest possible way. These are the words of Jesus, by the way. Our historical record of the New Testament is uh, pretty reliable in terms of the way historical research works, so it's verified from lots of sources. So this is what Jesus said. And then he also says, whoever wants to follow me must say no to themselves. They must pick up their cross every day and follow me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. You can fly, but don't. What do you think? How do you make sense of these? I'm, I'm really looking to you to talk about this from your experience with Christ, from your, I don't know, reading, wherever. What do you think? Please, go ahead, Scott. Okay, keep going. So, so if, if you're saying that how did a person itself by to a place that's brought by so perhaps the fullest life is, is that now uh, with, uh, the opposite, I guess, of the community. Yeah, so in serving and in meeting needs and in being vulnerable, your life is expanded. So let me see if I'm hearing you right. So you're saying, you're, you're saying, yeah, Jesus really does mean it that we get to have this full abundant life, but he's saying the way to it isn't what we might think. And and you're at, you're saying in your interpretation of that Luke passage that something about serving and working in the community gets us closer to that fullness rather than maybe our dreams, let's say. Yeah, oh, but it, you could read that as letting go of their their desire to have, right? Um, and no Thanks. Somebody else add to that thought? Contradicted, it's okay. We're friends. Please. Yeah, so, yeah, that redefining abundance in terms of something that maybe wouldn't be our first instinct. Yeah, thanks. Please. It doesn't feel like these, like, disappointing things, like, same as what you were saying, essentially, like, these disappointing things are often the things that lead us towards something else. 
you know, that like having that discipline is like, okay, this is like a great bummer and life didn't work out the way I wanted it to, but like now I'm on this different path and this is working out okay too. So I I think that God, even if it's disappointment, finds ways to move us in a fuller life than we even Yeah, yeah. Encouraging. Go ahead, Ben. Really practical uh, anecdote for me would be like, I think for me, abundant life, like the part of the the part that Jesus is saying probably needs to be crucified and die, and I need to lose is the part of me that says abundant life is sitting on the couch all day <laughs> eating Doritos with salsa and diet cherry coke <laughs> and losing weight too. Right. But 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 I, I, I it's a real time kind of understanding yeah. of how not abundant that is because I know I feel terrible. Okay. I, I don't. I feel terrible doing that for three hours. Yeah. You know, like let alone a life. Yeah. But I really want to. So. <laughs> Yeah, thanks. Yeah. Vlad, go ahead. unintuitive thing is to, to lay down yourself for others and to 
uh, you know, to, to, to give away what you were what you've been able to store up and uh, bless others in, in that way. So. Yeah, thanks, Vlad. Appreciate that. Somebody else want to get in here? Go ahead, please. Help. Yeah. object lesson you could see there <laughs> yes thank you thank you all very much I, I think there's a lot of richness there um, so even in weird days like I had yesterday and the stuff leading up to it and then even coming forward from there this <clears throat> oppositional part of us seems to need a spot to be doesn't it if we're gonna really follow Christ we have to swim upstream a little bit we have to um, maybe find out some new way that we would look at living our dreams even before Christ the wisdom of the Old Testament is that it's pleasant to see dreams come true I'll have y'all over to my new condo once I'm finally in it and have the house gone. Uh, <laughs> it's pleasant, right? It, undeniably. But fools refuse to turn from evil to attain it. And here's where I think Christ is trying to help us. He's trying to help us see what evil is. And I think what y'all are sharing is sort of where he was nudging me as I've been trying to think and pray my through my particular predicament. And that's that what I might dream for could really derail me. And what I don't know might be better. So that we as Christians, the demand on us is to always be living into the mystery of the love of God, which is somehow with us and right out of our grasp. And so we wrestle in these days. I just met Jacob. I don't know where he is now. Where'd he go? Yeah. <laughs> I get that. I have a Jacob too, um, my first son. And he's named that because I think God told me way early in my life the same thing he's been trying to tell me today and even as I listen to you I think you're you're sharing the same wisdom and that's that we have to wrestle we can't just go with our culture the, the he who wrestles with God that's Jacob is that's what it means and he wrestled of course with God uh, came up with a new name but limping um, so it is this process that we are pulled into and I think our dreams are absolutely essential and then there's this deeper process with them that we as Christians are called into. Um, <clears throat> Jesus warns us and challenges us that we easily fall into sacrificing our very souls 
for these dreams that are really grounded in some kind of repair of losses we experience early in our lives. A little bit of a psychologist leaking in here, but I think it fits with the scripture, so I feel pretty sure that we're all right. But the, this idea that early in our lives, even with the most loving parents, Jacob's right there, he didn't leave. <laughs> Sorry, I looked right beyond him. <laughs> oh, Oh, good. Sorry, I was, forget it. We'll talk later, Jacob. <laughs> but the, uh, this, this process of going to the depths of us, to those re- parts of us that we don't yet know, because we too have been fractured by this thing called life, because our experiences early in our lives set us up, even by the way our brains work, we now know through the world of neuroscience, to focus on what doesn't work and to try to fix it. So you could have had the most loving and attentive parents on the planet and you would still have this deep-rooted sense of longing and somehow missing something. I would contend, not as a psychologist but as a Christian, that that longing is your longing for the kingdom of God, that you were made for something else. But I would also contend that our ways, conscious and unconscious, of trying to somehow make up for those losses go on today. And our process with Jesus is about freedom from the ways we misunderstand how to find abundance in our lives. And so we're always in this constant wrestling match, back and forth. Whether the house sells or not, I will still be in it, right? And whether I can find a way to speak about the Enneagram that makes any sense or not, I'm still going to be in this place. And so, live your dreams? Absolutely. But live them with God, because he will reshape them. He will demand of you that you let go of them, and he'll give you them differently. He will do things that you cannot understand and that cause you to say, okay, it's your money anyway, it looks like a waste to me. She will come to you in the night when you are anxious and sing over you. And in these moments, we will find home or the taste of home beyond anything that we might have known thus far. That's the promise. I don't know it experientially today. I have. I'm convinced I will. Because I live in a community with y'all, and you're going to keep talking back to me and keep helping me. And that's the way we move forward. One last little tad about this. We're coming into Advent. So if you talk about living your dreams, think about the story of Jesus and how many people, real dreams while they're asleep, look at those and experience God guiding them right in the middle of their dreams. Thanks for listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. If you want to talk about it or get connected to a cell, you can find one under our Connect dropdown at circleofhope.net.